It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Everybody back to the PHLY Sixers post game show. Derek Bodner joined by Renee Washington here to, you know, all we really do is recap Sixers wins. <laughs> They've won eight straight games. This one, a 137 to 126 win over the Indiana Pacers, who came in with a six and three record, who came in with the third best record in the Eastern Conference, and who are a tough opponent. And what happens? You know, it was Embiid came out, had 19 in the first quarter. And he is completely overshadowed by Tyrese Maxey. The first 50-point performance of Tyrese Maxey's career, he ends the night with 50 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Did have 2 turnovers, uh, 20 for 32 from the field, and 7 of 11 from 3-point range, including some very deep, very tough threes. How you doing, Renee? Whew, Derek, I know you're always Mr. Calm, Cool, and Collected, but I'm like fired up <laughs> over here. I'm ready to start blasting some. All we do is win, win, win. I know it's only, listen, I know it's only nine games in, but the fact that the Sixers are eight and one right now behind a 50-point performance by Tyrese Maxey, who looked like he could do no wrong out there. I don't know what yeah. he ate today. I don't know what he did today, but please do it every day. And also let us know so we can do it too, because he was on a whole other planet. I'm feeling great, Derek, because this is a team that's been consistently gr- finding ways to get wins, playing well con- from start to finish, and eight straight. That's all I got, eight straight. Um, maybe he had <laughs> some chocolate. No, no, we're not ready for, for ad reads yet. It is, I mean, the last podcast I was on here with Kyle, uh, after the Sixers win over the Pistons, we spent like the first 15 minute segment just going, I can't believe the Sixers <laughs> actually have Tyrese Maxey. And he comes out in this one and he won upset in a big way. And look, like I said, Embiid was incredible in that first quarter. Then Maxey came out and scored 17 points in the first six minutes of the uh, second quarter with Embiid on the bench. Maxey has been incredible with Embiid on the bench so far. They have in a, a weird way, and, and partly because they only really have one and a half maybe people who can dribble a basketball, but they have been better with Embiid on the bench and they have been with Maxi on the bench. Uh, they have been able to weather that in large part because right now Tyrese Maxi is a complete offense unto himself. And there's so much to get into on the way he played. And we just mentioned it. 50 points, seven rebounds, five assists. I actually almost thought that there were a couple of quote-unquote mistakes that he made. Mm-hmm. One of the turnovers specifically to, that, to Paul Reed on a you know a rolling read on a bounce pass. Um, another one where he uh, uh, changed gear, uh, changed direction and speed a couple times to get to the rim. Those were almost most important, or not important, impressive plays of the night for him, and they didn't even turn out well. He's just showing growth, and, show, and they're important to me because he's showing growth. He's showing not yes. only, you know, in years past, he could leverage his shooting, he could leverage his speed, 
to get shots up. Now he's leveraging his intelligence and his IQ and his ability to change speeds. He's taking some of those riskier passes. He's growing in all of the ways that you need him to grow. And also, he's one of the most lethal shooters in the league and the fastest players in the league. He's starting to put it all together, and it's just really a joy to watch. And you, you know, you, I, I tend to be a little bit, I don't want to say killjoy, but I'm a little flat <laughs> in terms of my emotion. You know, I think it's part of my job as a reporter to be a little flat um, because there is, you know, I think it's real easy to maybe try to be a prisoner of the moment. And I think mm-hmm. one of my jobs as a journalist is not to. So when the Sixers are playing terribly, I'll probably be like, it's all right, they'll get it back. When they're playing great, I'll probably try to tamper that down a little bit. I can't tamper my enthusiasm for this kid because he's just growing each and every night. And it's really incredible to see. Listen, it, it is hard. I know we we try to make sure that we just keep everything in perspective. But when you look at the way that Tyrese Maxey's playing, and that's even before we start talking about Joel Embiid's incredible numbers so far through the first nine games, talking about the Sixers' incredible record to start. But Tyrese Maxey specifically, we just were celebrating his 23rd birthday. And you put up 50, a career-high 50 points behind, as you mentioned, a 17-point second quarter. The blocks that he had, that block against Buddy Heald was yeah. nasty. A lot of guys don't even go up for that. He contested, he times well, doesn't foul, gets all ball, and then is racing the other way in transition to run the floor and help set up a chance uh, for the Sixers. Obviously, they didn't score that, but they still got to the line off of that play. Tyrese Maxey, it's not just about the points he's scoring. It's about the hustle. It's the way he's moving around the court. You can see the confidence growing with each and every game, and that's what's making it so fun. We've always known Tyrese Maxey to be extremely quick. But we, as you mentioned, at times saw his quickness be almost to a detriment where he's too yeah. fast and was causing turnovers. Second st- second game this season, he's had double-digit assists. And and up until, I mean, he ended up with, um, I don't forget the exact number of turnovers, but sure. had no turnovers in the first half. That's something that's from that's remarkable that you're able to facilitate on the offensive end, take those chances, set guys up to score, and then on the on the other side of it, you're not turning the ball over. And then defensively, on the other side of the court, you look at his production, the blocks, helping to just whether it's diving for loose balls or the, or the pressure. Tyrese Maxey is on a whole other planet right now, and this is what the Sixers have needed from somebody. And it's Tyrese Max that stepped up. Yeah. You know, we always knew what reigning MVP Joel Embiid was going to bring to the team this season. And there were a lot of question marks for us of who's who's the number two guy. Ken Maxey, is he ready for that? Well, guys, he just showed us again tonight. Like he showed us so far every game this season. Tyrese Maxey is more than ready for that opportunity. And he's stepping up and, and doing it phenomenally. They have been waiting for Joel Embiid's entire career <laughs> to have a perimeter player who can meet him at his level of greatness. And they briefly had it for a couple of months with Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. And they let him walk in a decision that most Sixers fans still aren't over. Myself and they've expended so much, so many other assets to try to get somebody who could be the, you know, the, the even just calling him the Robin to Embiid's Batman. They've, from Markel Fultz to Ben Simmons to the assets to trade for Jimmy Butler, the assets to trade, um, you know, for Tobias Harris. They have done so much to try to get a perimeter scoring option to play alongside of Embiid. And finally, with the 21st pick in the draft, they have one. And for him to come out here and look, the way he's, he reached those 50 was just like that second quarter run, like I said, where he scored uh, 17 points in the first six minutes, it was Iverson-esque. And that's not even really hyperbole. That's some of the most electric perimeter play I've seen from a guard on in this roster or in this franchise 
in 15 years. It was remarkable the way he was able to carry them on. And look, the Pacers, Pacers are a good team. They're a real bad defensive team. I think they rank about 25th in the league in defense. So the number one ranked offense in the league, number one in pace. They're one of the best shooting teams in the league. They don't guard all that well. But he was hitting some really tough contested shots. We're talking shots off movement, deep step back threes. Every shot in the book he has right now, and for him to be able to add in things, like I said, one of the most impressive plays I saw him make today was a turnover he made because he was willing to take that risk because he saw the mm -hmm. pass, because he saw Paul Reed rolling down. Every area that you've you know sort of like pinpointed as this is the next step Tyrese Maxey has to grow, he's doing it right in front of our eyes. And it's just, you know, I tweeted out the other day, we, we can talk all we want about his on-ball stuff, his playmaking. You almost forget he's the number one catch-and-shoot player in the league right now. Like he's averaging something like 2.1 points per possession off a catch-and-shoot. He's excelling at quite literally everything he's putting his mind to. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, you guys are in the chat dropping a lot of thoughts about the game. I know there's some questions we will get to unpack everything from Kelly Oubre's accident, getting hit and that terrible hit and run to the game tonight, talking to every player's performance. I know Ernest Peterson, uh, super chats comment that you're at, you're saying they were full court, triple teaming maxi at the end. He has arrived. Yes, he has arrived. Um, you know, I know a number of different people are talking to chat about buddy. Heal dish. My you're saying still being mad about that block and the different thoughts on maxi. Listen, maxi shot seven for 11 from the three-point line, uh, 20 from 32 field goal attempt from his all 32 field goal attempts, finishing, of course, with 50 points, 25 in the first half behind four three-pointers, and Tyrese is continuing to elevate his game, and to see him find so many ways to make an impact on the game, as you talk about, even those times he missed the pass on those he had two turnovers, and one of them, as you're talking about, was one where you can at least see the idea is there. The maturity, the consistency, and the dependability is a big piece of this, too, because as you've mentioned, every single year it's been who is going to be the Robin to Joel Embiid's Batman. And every single year we've had these expectations of who was going to step up. Well, Tyrese Maxey is showing he's the guy. Look, the Clippers are on a losing streak right now ever since bringing in James Harden. The Sixers are continuing their winning streak. And I'm just saying that's just math. The numbers don't lie. The records don't lie. The, <laughs> the Sixers are playing so well, I won't even mention that the, the Clippers have lost four straight games it's, with James Harden. Why? <laughs> you won't mention it, but we did. Because it, it's just insane to me the way that so many times in, in sports, people get caught up on you have to have the superstars, all the superstars, all the best players, and you don't. And, and time and time again, how many teams have we seen where you have someone like Joel Embiid, you do have a superstar, and you have that next tier of guys, the Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris's, those guys are just playing at a, an elevated level because the confidence is there. They're moving the ball offensively. We see them hitting the floor. Joel Embiid's diving on the floor for a loose ball, finding Tobias Harris, who's, who's going in. They're running the floor in transition. They're doing all the little things. It's fundamental basketball. It's great basketball. And it's team basketball, which is also the biggest key that we haven't seen from the Sixers when you look back probably the last many, many years. I can think back to yeah. even going back to the process. So this team is really evolving, and it's not the flashiest roster. It's not the best roster in terms of salaries and all-star appearances, but it's the best roster we've seen from the Sixers. And Derek, it had me thinking, is this 
what the process was for? Is this what we all, like, we all thought, okay, when we brought in Jimmy Butler, when you saw the Sixers bring in Jimmy Butler, they bring, they, they draft, let's backtrack, drafting Markel Fultz and Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, then Jimmy Butler, then James Harden, the different players that have come through the Sixers roster over the years, we kept thinking that's what all the tanking was for. But I'm wondering now with Nick Nurse being brought in, also seems obviously is a huge addition and a change because finally we see a Sixers coach that is consistently bringing out the best of every single player, where whether it's Daniel House or Joel Embiid or Tyrese Maxey or Paul Reed, and also you're seeing players play at a, a higher level is this what the process was? Is this the process playing yeah. out? <laughs> I mean, look, I feel like we've it's been only nine games in again. What's the process for, for a decade now? Um, <laughs> but getting a player like Joel Embiid, it just buys you time. It buys you being relevant for long enough for you to get lucky. Maybe that luck might be Jimmy Butler becoming available. The Sixers had that chance. Maybe that luck, luck might be Tyrese Maxey blossoming into a superstar at 23. But having him uh, you know, be an MVP caliber player, it just gave you time to figure things out and or get lucky, maybe a combination of the two. And if Maxi is who I think we all right now think he is, we spent all preseason talking about it. That jump completely changes the Sixers chances of winning a title over the next two to three years and what the Sixers need to do in this next step in order to do that. We do have a couple of super chats here coming in. So I definitely want to give them a shout, a shout out first from Ernest Peterson saying that they were full court, triple teaming Maxi at the end. Not really much of a question, but we do want to shout him out. And it really is, it just goes to show, like, this is a, a team that has Joel Embiid on it. Yeah. And they're selling out to take the ball out of Tyrese Max's hands. It is a truly, truly incredible. Also have Ash uh, Monroe saying the system, Harden, was a negative 28 <laughs> tonight in a five-point home loss by the Clippers to a one-win Memphis team. Well, they're not a one-win team anymore. <laughs> they now have two wins. That Clippers team does not know what they're doing. And look, I don't necessarily, I'm not going to dance on anyone's grave so much. I do think Harden, first of all, he's out of shape uh, and he can talk about being in shape all he wants, but there's a difference in game shape. That is a big change. A lot of those pieces don't fit. He has looked bad though, like uninvolved. And when he's not on ball, he really can't do anything. And it's tough to be on ball when Russell Westbrook is also useless off. They just have a lot of questions to answer or answer. And I'm very glad that I'm not covering that one. <laughs> I like the way you phrase that because it's your way of, of just kind of tiptoeing around the fact that we're not going to talk about it, but we can talk about it because it's opposite issues of what we're seeing we can, we can in, bit, in yeah. LA is what's the positives that are happening here in Philly. Um, I know different, different things in the chat are talking about, you know, Maxi most improved. Uh, absolutely. We're not talking about the process anymore because we're not there. This is, that, this is a team that's, that is a good point, though. Like, I think a lot of times most improved tends to go to like a second or a third yeah. year player who made a jump, somebody who was a role player, even a bench player who now becomes a starter. It rarely goes from like a borderline all-star who makes a massive leap. I remember saying this early on in Steph's career, and Steph's an interesting parallel here, but early on in Steph's career that Steph could have won most improved player two or three years in a row because of the massive leaps he took. Maxi feels like he is at that point. Yeah, he might have been a 20-point-per-game scorer last year. He should be, if not... In, in the running, probably the leader for most improved. I agree with that completely. Yeah, that's a, it's a great point. And like you mentioned, it typically is, you know, from rookie year to sophomore year or even, you know, in those first three years. Uh, but Max is still is a young guy also, obviously. And so I do think that the numbers, if these, con if these continue, just set a career high tonight, 50 points. If he continues to set career highs and have these highlight plays 
and the Sixers continue winning, he's absolutely going to be in the conversation towards the end of the regular season as you're looking at, you know, awards like most improved. But through nine games, you know, the record that the Sixers have has been phenomenal at eight and one to win eight straight since dropping that first loss. And I do want to just throw out there the update of the numbers. Now, since the 2017-2018 season, I actually went back and, and backtracked and pulled these numbers. And in the 2017-2018 season, the season after, they were 5-4. and four. If you look across the board, this is obviously the best record the Sixers have had through nine games dating back to 2017-2018. Now, of course, prior to those years, we're not talking about those initial, you know, years before that. And uh, <laughs> But looking at the oh, last I remember seven, those, though. They uh, had a couple- we remember those we don't need to talk about those Multiple records seasons where they started the, te- or the season 0 and 18 oh and that's why i stopped wild. at the 2017 2018 season because even those early joel and bead years were you know were rough so in the last seven seasons this is the best start that the Sixers have had that seven and two 2020 season that came after the bubble year when they got swept against the celtics in the bubble and then turned around and jumped out to like a 5-0 start the following season so this is, the, without a doubt, the best season, which is why as much as we try to be even keel, it's exciting. It's, it's great to see, and we definitely have a lot more positives through nine games than we can say in the past we've had to t- through nine games. So for that reason alone, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, been, it's been fun to watch. Um, I know there's the other side of things that we're talking about, Tyrese Maxey getting triple-teamed. You do still have Joel Embiid on the court. And yeah. Joel Embiid had 37 he's, points today. He was incredible. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to him. Might Remarkable. Be the, might be the first time we've had a 15-minute segment here where we pretty much didn't talk about <laughs> Joel Embiid, but that's what Tyrese Maxey has done for us. Uh, and before we get to that next segment, a quick word from one of our new sponsors here, uh, which is the Pennsylvania Dairy Farmers and Team Chocolate Milk. I think, think Tyrese maybe had a little chocolate milk before the game. It's, it's, he certainly played like it. Let's yes, put it that did. way. Professional and college athletes have known about the power of chocolate milk as a refuel and recovery beverage for a long time. Chocolate milk provides high-quality protein for muscle repair, electrolytes for hydration, and calcium for strong bones. That's why studies consistently show that chocolate milk is an ideal sports recovery beverage. Whether you're recovering after a workout at the gym, a run-around boathouse row, or a bike ride down a Schuylkill Trail, chocolate milk is an ideal post-workout beverage. Taking care of your body doesn't end when the clock hits zero on your workout routine. Give your body what it needs to properly recover. What could be better than a scientifically proven recovery beverage made right here in Pennsylvania that also tastes great? Learn more about how chocolate milk can help you refuel and recover after your next workout by visiting teamchocolatemilk.com. You know, I thought, and, and part of the reason that this is so exciting is, well, first of all, like I said, we spent a lot of time before the season saying, if Tyrese Maxey can just so take one ends. more massive step, then everything becomes so much easier. But the other is that there's so much synergy right now between Maxi and Embiid in a two-man game. They came out here to start this game, and it was pretty wild. I think the first six, posse- six half-court possessions, non-transition possessions in a row, they ran a pick-and-roll with Maxi and Embiid where they left the weak side corner empty. And so you had Maxi and Embiid running a pick-and-roll, the other three Sixers players on the other side, and they were so spaced out that it was almost impossible for the Pacers to send any kind of help. They had to be able to defend that action with their two primary defenders. And when you have the speed and the shooting range of Tyrese Maxey, that combination, along with a big who can roll to the rim like Joel can, and, and, and you know you can't really switch on, it's very, very tough to stop that with just two men. And when mm-hmm. you space them out the way that they did, and you make that ground really tough to cover for a baseline defender to, to rotate over, it was just impossible for them to 
to guard. And to have, again, for Tyrese Maxey, and I remember scouting him in college, he had like 18-foot range. And you yeah. said, if he could just extend that to the three-point line. Well, he has extended that to six feet beyond the three-point line. And to have that kind of deep range along with his speed, they have just so many real go-to actions, whether it's that you know, empty side pick and roll, whether it's that dribble handoff, just so much synergy between those two. And that's why when you start looking at it, all right, the third player that you can build around, if all of this is legit, it's just so much easier to find. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, as you talk about that, the dynamic duo of Maxi and Embiid, uh, Kate Scott, dear colleague and friend of mine, who has a tremendous job on Sixers broadcasts, dropped this nugget during the game that tonight marks the first time since 1997-1998 season that two Sixers scored 25 or more in the first half. Allen Iverson was definitely involved in that. I don't know who the second player was. And only the fourth time across the league since that 1997 season that a team had two players score 25 or more points in the first half. This is, it's insane when you think about it. And it's hard. I know different people are saying in the chat, I'm just so happy. Keep letting us know what has you most excited about today um, and your thoughts about the game today because it's so mind-boggling when you think about the records yeah. the stats the numbers that we're seeing from from the Sixers as a whole especially Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid and on the other side Joel Embiid also throughout the through the first eight games this was the fifth game this season he finished with 30 or more points his seventh double double he was three assists shy of a triple double tonight and it was his fifth game with six or more assists and I know a lot of people talk about other centers around the league Nikola Jokic being one of them, that are getting those triple-double type numbers consistently and have really said things about Joel Embiid needing to elevate his game to be able to have that type of assist and offensive prowess besides just scoring. And he's doing it. I know people in the chat were like, he had a couple of people said he had a rough game. There were some jokes because they were like, oh, 37 points is, I guess, what we're considering to be an off game. But it was a quieter, and I say that with air quotes for those of you listening across podcast platforms, a quieter night for Joel and me because Tyrese Maxey had 50 points. So it's not a bad, it was not a bad performance no. by any stretch by Joel Embiid. And the numbers he's put up this season have been insane through the first eight games. So with that, yeah. I mean, that's why the, the Sixers have won eight games in a row because through the last eight games, I should say, because that's not including the first one, Joel Embiid has had astronomical numbers and has been getting it done on both ends of the floor, crashing the boards, he's helping them score. And also, as we keep talking about and have mentioned, offensively, a big part of why they're sharing the ball so much better. Yep. You're rarely seeing Joel Embiid or anybody for the Sixers just dribbling top of the key, dribbling the air out of the ball. They're moving it. It's a lot more pick, pick and roll game. It's a lot more low post game. They're driving the basket more, penetrating and driving to draw on defenders and now kicking out to wide open shooters. It's just better basketball, which as a former basketball my player myself, I'm like, hallelujah, because I've been waiting for this from the Sixers. We saw yeah. it in the Allen Iverson, the Kembe Mutombo, even Matt Geiger, Eric Snow, Aaron McKee days. But we haven't really seen it since then. This is classic Philly basketball. And I know someone said in the chat, Tyrese Maxey was giving us a little AI vibe today with the way he was uh, running the offense, especially. Gosh, if only if Iverson <laughs> could have shot like this. I know. Oh, man, he would have been. Anyway, <sighs> but we don't need to play a what if game. No, I think Joel's overshadowed a little bit because, like I said, 19 of his 36 came in the first quarter. And then after that point, you know, Tyrese Maxey scored 42 in the final <laughs> three. So we tend to focus on that. And remember that Joel Mead was really good in the first quarter. And, you know, I thought when they came out, like I said, those 
six straight or so possessions running that pick and roll from B to sort of like, you know, embrace that and be comfortable with that. That's a big step for him. He certainly had his way with Miles Turner a little bit early on. And Kyle and I mentioned here on the previous show, Miles Turner is a guy that can come in to, you know, come in averaging 18, eight and two, but against Joel Embiid, he can be a liability because Embiid just puts him under the oh, basket. Yeah. And did he have a stretch there maybe in the third where he was struggling? Yeah, he did. Uh, and were there some possessions where the transition defense, especially it felt like the Sixers really, uh, there was only really one time in the game where they really just struggled with Indiana's pace. And it felt like that was the case there in the third quarter for much of it. But you have to look at the whole thing. He, uh, he dropped 37, had seven assists. Like he had a really good game. It's just a lot of that came, you know, like I said, there was a lot of Tyrese Maxey points after that first quarter. Yeah, and that's a good point also. I mean, this this Pacers team is a very good Pacers team coming into today. They just had three straight in a row, including beating a Dame Lillard-less Milwaukee Bucks team by two in their last outing. Uh, Tyrese Halberton leads the league in, in assists. They are top 10 across the league in transition points. Yep. And we saw that today, too. Yep. They gave the Sixers a run for their money because there were so many times the Sixers would score on one end. And while... I'm like taking notes about the play that happened or I'm like still celebrating the play. The Pacers are racing up up court yeah. scoring on the other end. They and are a great they're also a I good mean, team. They're second in the league in made three-pointers yeah. and third in the league in three-point percentage. That's what they makes are, it that much more impressive. They are a tough team to guard and we mm -hmm. certainly saw that for stretches. Like I said, that third quarter was really it felt like when you were playing indie style of play and getting caught in that. Um they're they're a real interesting team cuz I wonder, you know, they they elite offense Terrible defense. I wonder how that's going to hold out uh, when the season, you know, entire season unfolds. But they're yeah. a tough matchup. The Sixers historically have not been a good transition defense team. They're a, a, a team that in the past has, you know, committed a lot of turnovers. Um, those two can, you can, if a turnover a team that turns the ball over a lot and a team that gets out in the break a lot, that can, uh, you know, really doom you. Uh, but with Tyrese Maxey running the show and he just, it's really astounding. He just does not turn the ball over. You know, I came in, coming into this game, he averaged eight assists for every one turnover in the half court. Now, look, he had two again here tonight, so that is going to bring that up. Eight assists to one, to one turnover is completely unsustainable, but the way he's able to attack and score and create without making mistakes is really almost historic. And yeah. I, the only reason I even say almost historic is just because the sample size isn't large enough for it to be historic. But I think that really gives them a dynamic where maybe the Pacers outside of the third quarter, especially when Tyrese Maxey's on the bench, mm -hmm. uh, they just weren't able to press maybe their advantages as much as they would have been able to in prior years. And that's where I was excited for this matchup because the Indiana Pacers are catching some people by surprise as well. I, I look at this roster, obviously we know Miles Turner, as you mentioned, great presence, especially in the paint. But someone like Obi Toppin, who I covered years ago when he was at Dayton, um, getting drafted number six, or excuse me, what was number eight in 2020. Buddy Heald was drafted number six in 2016. Tyrese Halliburton, number 12 in 2020 at Iowa. These are guys that, when you look over the last five years being drafted, were top 10, top 12 picks overall and really didn't find, whether with the Knicks, with the Kings, whoever, really didn't find a group. But this year, this mix really is, is something, of course, TJ McConnell. They have a great blend of players that they're getting results and wins in the stats um, that they have. It just reminds me of some un of those underdog teams that we've seen in the past. And to come against the Sixers today, I was excited for this matchup. Now, as you mentioned, it was the defensive side because the Pacers have traditionally been making it more of a shootout in that sense of, yep. you know, looking at even their last game 
126-124 against Milwaukee. It's been very high scoring. It's been that's why they do have, you know, in terms of three-point percentage and uh, and transition points and assists, that's why they are top in the league in a number of those statistical categories. But the difference is, and someone made it in the, this comment in the chat as well, defensively, we've seen the evolution from the Sixers. Starting with Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, but all the way through. I recall times in the past, the Sixers weren't so quick to jump on the floor for a loose ball. Sure. Or yep. weren't, like, even Pat Bev sticks a leg out to, to stop the crossover. I think it was TJ McConnell was making a crossover. Sticks a leg out, stops it, we're, you're racing the other way. So many plays where they're doing the little things. The amount of blocks that they had. Yeah. Obviously, no. Tyrese Maxey a lot, but... And those, ah. and you, you're going to pivot with everyone else making defensive plays, but those Tyrese Maxey blocks oh, were incredible. Buddy, like that one where I buddy. think TJ stripped... I forget who he, he, he stole the ball from. Uh, but Man. for Tyrus Maxey to recover and make that play at the rim, he just had a couple of those where it was really, really impressive. And just that's a, a real commitment to both sides of. The, and I've given Tyrese some grief in the past for his defense. Mm -hmm. The commitment has never been something that I've questioned, uh, and he's starting to, I think, learn how to use some of his physical tools to look. He is going to be matchups where he's going to be undersized, but he's making more of his his abilities than he has mm -hmm. in prior years. And that's the thing: three blocks, all of them incredible blocks, hustle plays. I still can't get over the buddy healed one because yeah. that's that's. He had the, he almost could have been a poster, and instead he was a highlight on the other side of it. Nicholas Batum, another one, three blocks on the night. Um, Joel Embiid with a block. They're just contesting every shot at the rim, especially, and it's smart plays. It's aggressive. They're not overly fouling. I mean, we rarely are seeing them game after game get into foul trouble. Tonight, the most fouls that we saw was three fouls against Pat Bev, and that's what Pat Bev is in there for, honest. Let's let's be honest. Defense <laughs> and fouling and being aggressive. Yep. But we haven't seen them with a lot of foul trouble, a lot of careless mistakes, a lot of lack of effort types of plays. So to see them consistently on the defensive side, that's what's leading, I feel like, to that extra boost on the offensive side because Tyrese Maxey dropping 50 points is great, but Tyrese Maxey dropping 50 points and then also racing on the other end, getting a block against Buddy Heald, yep. you know, working back on defense. Those are the types of things. When you see your teammates working, it elevates and raises the tempo for everybody else. And it starts with Nick Nurse. He's talked a lot about that, what he wants from these guys, how he wants them to play more aggressive, the, the composure he wants from them. And we're seeing them execute the game plan, whether it's the tactical game plans of the half-court offense or the, you know, other side of the ball in terms of just intensity and energy and effort that we're seeing from them day in and day out. Quick note here before we get to our next break. Ernest Peterson brought up a good point. Can we talk about how players are actually making passes into the paint with accuracy and confidence? One person I want to very specifically shout out with this is Tobias Harris because he was dreadful in prior years where just indecision, 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 hesitate, 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 pass away. Uh, Tobias, you're 6'8", you can shoot, they're guarding you out there. Just throw that entry pass into Joe. He's done that so much better this year. And that was one thing that would really bother me because it felt very correctable. Seems like he has corrected that. They are making much more precise passes. I agree with that. Yeah, and I think it's just the the team aspect is what it goes back to. They're on the same page, and it's it's just nine games in. It feels like they the chemistry's there. They're reading, they're seeing the floor well to read, you know, and be a pass ahead and anticipate where their guys are going. So now they can pass to them in stride. They're there, you know, a lot of assists that we're seeing where it's like they're not even missing a beat because they're playing more like a team. And when you're allowing the ball to do the work and you're moving for each other and you're talking and you're high energy and you're, you know, you're having fun too while you're doing it. Of course, it helps to be winning. You know, those passes that are 
were turnovers are now assists. So I, I mean, even Tobias Harris with 18 points, four different Sixers, four of them being starters, finished in double figures tonight. And Batum had nine, which just one point shy of a double, uh, double figure performance himself. This is the team basketball that we're talking about. So it's been exciting down watching games and you can get in on all the action though, to be a part of watching games with the game time app. There are plenty of games, concerts, whether it's NBA games, in tournament, in-season tournament games, NFL games, NHL games, whatever it is you're looking to check out, head over to the Game Time app. Use that code PHLY that's on your screen for those of you guys watching live on YouTube or anybody that's tuning in across our podcast platforms. Again, it is PHLY. That code gets you $20 off your purchase. Go over to the Game Time app, download the app, and with twenty that uh, code PHOY, you get $20 off of your first purchase. And I have the app myself. They give you great updates and notifications about games. Prices are awesome to begin with, and plus you get an additional $20 off. And they make it so much easier for you to be able to see where you're going to be sitting on the app. You can have a nice picture of your seat. You get a view of the court, the rink, wherever it is you're looking to buy tickets to, and you have a chance to uh, make it easy when you and your buddies are heading out to watch your favorite teams or concerts or whatever it is you're looking to attend. So again, code P-H-L-Y. All right, Derek. One other thing I want to point out here. These Sixers had an offensive rebound on over half of their missed shots. Uh, That's more than double the percentage for the Pacers. Great to see. And again, Sometimes when you're playing a team that can get out and transition like the Pacers can, mm-hmm. you tend to be hesitant to pursue those offensive gla- rebound opportunities because that puts you in a disadvantage to get out in transition. And look, did the Pacers at times get out on the break? Yes, but when you're rebounding 50% of your missed shots, the other team can't run when you actually get there. Uh, that was, I think, a really big key as well. Well, there's two points that make that work well. One is more times this season in the first nine games, and I would almost say more times in the first nine games than almost all of last season, but I won't be that extreme. Do we see the Sixers in their half court offense with numbers in the paint prior season? Most of the time, all five guys are standing around the three point line. So when a shot goes up, you're not crashing the board. You're all standing there ready to go defend. But this time this season, we're seeing more consistently where with the movement, you have people cutting to the basket. You have people in the low post. You have more of that option. So when you do take shots, you're actually in a spot to rebound. Pat Bev airballs a three. Where's Tyree, Tyrese Maxey standing on the, the block ready to catch and finish the easy layup? Easy points that you're now getting because you're not just standing around the three-point line. Again, fundamental basketball that should be simple, but it's something that the Sixers have struggled with in the past. And then the other side of it is exactly as you mentioned. It's that willingness to want to crash the board. Instead of focusing on the defensive side of, oh, we've got to get back because the Pacers are a good transition team. If I'm going to go back to that air ball by Pat Bev, if Tyrese Maxey is so focused on defending, he's not on the block ready to rebound, you're missing out on an easy layup. So instead of being focused on defense, the Sixers are locked in on let's finish out this possession and score And then we're going to track back on defense. So I just think it's such a mentality shift. And then their offense in general has led to more offensive rebounds. And that's, I didn't even realize that. That's a great stat. Yeah, the Sixers are collecting offensive rebounds on 28% of their missed shots so far this season. That is the most since 2014-15. So the most in the entire Joel Embiid era. Last year, that was at 24%. They're definitely pursuing much harder on the glass. Going to Tobias, 
you know, because statistically he didn't have necessarily a great game. What he ended up shooting nine for 20 for his 18 points, nine rebounds, four assists, only one turnover. So that's nice. Missed a couple of threes, missed a couple of shots around the rim, maybe. But I thought he was real aggressive inside. Really, you know, and we don't see bully ball Tobias Harris as much as you would expect for a guy who's 6'8 and pretty solidly built. I think that's something where you'd like to see more out of him. He was certainly, you know, inside, and he didn't end up with a free throw, but I thought he was really strong inside. I thought he ended up with four offensive rebounds himself, a couple of post-ups where he was just bigger and stronger and got to the rim. I liked, even if maybe the results weren't always there for Tobias tonight, I liked the process of how he got there. I do. And, you know, I know Nick Nurse has mentioned before he wants to see more from Tobias Harris and he wants him to him, Melton, Kelly Oubre, who we obviously will we'll get into what happened there. Um, but he he's one of the players that Nick Nurse, much like many of us, have have wanted more from. And we've seen an improvement this season overall. And to have 18 points and still have a struggling game for Tobias Harris I'll take that because he's he's going to find his rhythm and he's going to be able to be, you know, that number three, number four guy uh, for the Sixers consistently as long as he continues staying involved. And I felt like tonight was a day doesn't help in this. It helps for sure that Tyrese had 50. But on the other side, Tobias didn't have as many touches, I should say, uh, wasn't involved as much with the offense. It felt a little bit more like. He was kind of waiting a bit instead of the movement. Some of his better offensive looks that we saw was classic Tobias, cutting to the basket, you know, moving off the ball. And then there were times where it felt like he got a little bit stagnant, which is where I think some of those struggles, the shooting struggles came from, and even just the lack of of contributions because he kind of disappeared a little bit at times. So I would love to just see from him if, if you're going to continue to elevate your game, nine for 20 from the field, not great, but let's get you having more shots in rhythm, get yeah. you get attacking the basket more, get you, you know, more involved instead of having stretches where we're seeing Tobias Harris and then stretches where we're not. And when he's at his best is when he's staying actively involved play after play in some way. So I, I'm, it's interesting. He finished with 18 points because it was a, it was definitely a quiet 18, but as you mentioned, nine for 20 and zero for three from the three point line, not great numbers, but I just love to see him get more involved. And Nick Nurse, I think, will continue to find ways, especially for Tobias, to be more involved. And with Kelly Oubre out, you know, right now, this is a time that Tobias Harris should be even more involved in the offense. Yeah, and look, again, I've seen some people, this game maybe made them concerned, whatever. Tobias Harris was shooting 59% from the field coming into this game. He was going to have a couple games where he just missed open threes, where he just missed bunnies at the rim, or maybe wasn't making that pull-up shot that he's been making all year. The process of him getting there, I think, was fine. Uh, he still I would had not, nine I would, re- I would not sweat this Tobias performance. Yeah, and Tobias Harris still almost had a double-double. He had nine rebounds, four assists. He was quietly getting involved in other ways, and when you win as a team, part of that also means that some nights it might be more on someone else. And tonight it was Tyrese Maxey's night. Tonight, it was even Joel Embiid with 37 points. Yeah. It was his night. And so you didn't need as much from Tobias Harris. And he picked and, and chose his moment. But he was still it was still a solid near double-double performance for him. And so I'm not going to, you know, I, I do agree. I feel like it's so easy for people sometimes to get caught up in the fact that he was 9 for 20 and didn't knock down a single three. Okay, but let's see how he responds to that. Because, again, today with Tyrese Maxey cooking and Joel Embiid, 
just being solid as he's been all season, you didn't need to bias Harris as much. And I know that has been a concern for people of, wait a minute, who else is going to be the scorer? Who's, who's coming off the bench? Who's going to be that number three consistent scorer? It'll get, it's getting there. It's getting there. And it's different guys. It's, it's by committee, I should say, that the, in the way that the Sixers have been offensively attacking. Money more. Perfect name for your chat. <laughs> Mentioning it was a terrifying 18 because he had to buy us at uh, plus 15 points on a bet. You ended up winning. Congratulations, Ooh. Money More. I feel um, that. That's I, very close. <laughs> yeah, I know. That would have me sweating as well. I would um, be very scared as well. Uh, but yeah, look, you also had a day where every single Sixers player that got on the court scored at least two points, except for Furkan Korkmaz, who finished with zero. Uh, everybody f- found a way to get stats and it's going to take time that we're seeing huge strides from Tyrese Maxey and it's going to take time for, first of all, Batum, Rob Covington to find yep. their way, Pat Bev to find his way with the team. You have to keep in mind, there are so many new pieces here and for them to get gelling and get rolling that in itself is going to take time. But the crazy thing about me saying that statement is the Sixers have won eight straight (laughs) in the first and haven't lost since that season opener loss to Milwaukee. So it's going to take time for them to continue to get better as a team. And for some of these numbers to get higher, but someone like D'Anthony Melton, 10 points, he's got a, a season high, his season high is 14. I don't ever imagine him being the guy that's consistently dropping 20 points. That's no. not really his role. And that's part of this too, is them figuring out their roles and how they're contributing as a team overall. It's definitely been way better and way more exciting to see. Yeah. And Melton had, you know, a, a, the end of that third quarter, he had a big three. He had a, another oh, yeah. th- shot that we thought was a three eventually got called a two huge turning points. Uh, he had a couple of layups even in the first half, which has been a struggle for him at times, certainly an adventure. He, if you're getting 10 points on, you know, what did he end up shooting from the field? I don't think it was an ultra efficient game here, but he had 10 points on four for seven. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. If you're getting that from, from Melton, that's fine. Um, just, uh, you know, up and down the roster too. Like the bench players, yeah, there might not be a whole, uh, look, there weren't a whole lot of shots to go around when Embiid's taking 26 and Tyrese taking 32, Mm -hmm. you're not going to have a whole lot of shots, but when you have, you know, defenders like Beverly and Covington and house, and Reed, I thought this was one of Paul Reed's better defensive games. When you have players like that off the bench who are willing to buy in and 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 really give effort defensively, even if they're not getting the rock all the time, that's how teams win. That's the kind of depth, that's kind of role players that you need. And we might sit here and say, like, what should the Sixers pursue at the deadline? Should it be a you know a third star? Should it be maybe two role players? You have a stable of role players off the bench who can complement a whole bunch of different, you know lineup configurations and who can be useful if they're still around here. And I think tonight was a good example of that because again, this Pacers team is real tough. Like they are real tough offensively. They're real tough to guard on the perimeter. They're real tough to uh, defend in transition. And I thought the Sixers outside of that stretch in the third quarter, I thought the Sixers did a pretty good job of taking away the Pacers strength for a decent chunk of the night. The Sixers ended up getting uh, transition opportunities on 16% of their possessions compared to 12 for the Pacers. So they actually got out on the break more. And the Sixers, here's another stat. Sixers ran on 35.5% of their live ball defensive rebounds. The Pacers only 21%. That kind of differential, if you're going to beat the Pacers team, you need to be able to attack them at their strength. And I thought the Sixers, in large part because of the role players I just mentioned, like um, you know Melton, like Paul Reed, like Patrick Beverly, like Robert Covington, I thought they were key in that. Yeah, and I know some people in the chat are saying they feel Melton uh, still looks inconsistent. Money Mar saying that. Rick of course, Morris is saying that Melton looks like he's coming around offensively. 
Um, I know Corey saying b-ball Paul was good tonight. Listen, every guy's got a different role on this team, and it's not for every single player to drop 20-plus points. That's just not practical. That's not what you're going for. Uh, last game, the Sixers had 10 bench points. Tonight, 13 bench points. Um, and outside of their three leading scorers in Maxie's 50, uh, Joel Embiid's 37, and Tobias Harris's 18, the rest of the team combined for 32 points. It's not going to always be an offensive production that you're seeing and how they're contributing. Paul Reed, I thought, played well tonight. And yep. Paul Reed finished with two, four points, excuse me. But Paul Reed was crashing the boards. We saw him with six total rebounds. He was contesting things in the paint. He was a presence. He was, he was giving you good size. And he was hustling. And I, to me, that's what I'm looking at. Okay, outside of your leading scores, you, you want to have Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, are, are leading your, your offense. Then you need to have that next tier of Tobias, uh, Nick, uh, Kelly, Rob that are contributing, DeAnthony that are contributing. Between them, some, you need to have at least two or three of them in double digits. And that could be 10 points. That could be 12 points. It doesn't always have to be 20, 30 points. Not, not realistic. But then what are the other guys doing when they're on the floor? Are they doing like Pat Bev did of, of helping out defensively or Paul Reed with crashing the boards and being a presence in the paint? Are they helping you match up in transition and stop transition? And so I thought there were a few times where guys looked lost, which in itself is an improvement. Guys were kind of going through the motions. You, you kept, I, was, I found myself cheering for everybody at one point and not in a forced way. So I did like the fact that if it wasn't points they were contributing, and I know I just said this about Tobias Harris, but it goes through the rest of the team. They were finding other ways to help out. The Sixers had 38 points in the first quarter, which is a season high, 38 points in the first quarter. And yes, we can look at the fact the final shot is coming off of the hands of Tyrese Maxey, the final floater, the final layups coming from Joel Embiid. But leading up to it, it's been the entire team helping to make that happen. So they are really winning as a team. And that's where when you look at what this team could use, always you always can use more scores, but you, you don't need someone that's going to come in and, and demand the ball. There's one basketball to go around, and you need a team that's going to continue moving the ball. So I don't even know what that piece looks like, but it is a conversation, of course, for another day. Yeah, and Rick in the <laughs> chat mentioning, uh, he, he says, it seemed like Melton was handling the ball more tonight than I can remember. Melton's, for the whole year, I think, handled the ball more than he probably should. I don't blame that on Melton so much as the fact that like you have Maxie and maybe occasionally Patrick Beverly that can handle the ball and Patrick Beverly can't even really get Oof. you into the offense. He can just sort of like uh, advance the ball. He's not a creator in any real regard. When Maxie heads to the bench, they just have no real good option outside of like that game and a half where Ferk was playable a little bit. They just have nobody else to get you in the sets, even to get the ball into Embiid. They just need more ball handling, more shot creation. Uh, I see Rick then mentioning whether you need a ball handler or a wing. That's not really a distinction you have to make. A lot of wings no. are initiating a lot on offense. They just need someone. They don't have enough. That's a huge need. Uh, and I think until that point, Mac or Melton's going to be overtaxed as a ball handler and a shot creator. I'm not going to blame him too much for that. All I want from DeAnthony is make your open shots, which he did a little bit tonight, at least better than he has up to this point in the season, and play good defense. Uh, that's what that's what I'm really looking for for him. I, I agree. I agree. I do think the ball handling is without a doubt a concern, and there were definitely times and have been times throughout this season where whether it's the second unit or it's also um, just looking at how their offense is run that it feels like a lot of it has to go through Tyrese. And so I would like to see more um, it, in the future of develop whether it's developing that ball handler and – D'Anthony or, or something else has to be a change. 
But I do think overall, as you mentioned, it's gone. It's no longer the same way of like just having one traditional point guard that's running the floor, but it's also making sure that you're able to have somebody um, else that's able to facilitate the offense and get you rolling. So either way, though, very encouraged by the fact that the Sixers, once the news broke about Kelly Oubre, and I know we're going to touch on that, Derek, as well, um, getting hit by a car. And we saw the starting five come out. Batum obviously slotted into the starting five in place of uh, Kelly Oubre. Then it was like, wait a minute now, who's the number six? Who else is going to help the offense? And the Sixers, they stepped up. They were fine. They were, they, they were executing. They were fine. They played well. They played, you know, a full four quarters. As you mentioned, there was a drop in the third quarter. And the things that I noted that I just wanted to see adjusted was just the times they were trading baskets because you don't want to make it a shootout. You don't want to get into a situation where, you know, you're scoring and now it's it's back and forth. You want to see if you can get a run going. You know, they had that 11-2 run in the first quarter. You need more of those types of runs throughout the course of the game where you can distance yourself instead of things like being up 19 and then the Pacers crawl back and close the gap. So for me, it was absolutely um, about, okay, how are they handling when you're, when you're scoring on the offensive side, what are, what are you doing defensively? You know, how are you getting stops on the defensive and how are you stopping the Pacers in transition? And the Pacers, like we mentioned and talked about have they moved the ball well, run the floor well. And uh, as a team that's has seven or more guys that are like averaging 10 or more points per game they, they they can score and so i like the fact that the sixers were able to make those adjustments as the game progressed especially after the third quarter because adjustments have been an area that we've seen in the past as a flaw where there were no adjustments whether on the, the person on the court calling a timeout changing up the defensive look and how you're matched up whatever it is so nick nurse and the sixers made some great adjustments which i was like thank goodness because you, it's gonna happen where, where you, you drop off where's that start coming from doc was fantastic and you can just ask, ask doc rivers to confirm that he'd be happy to anyway <laughs> one quick note here before we get to our final break and eventually kyle checking in from the wells oh, fargo man. center the nuggets lost to the rockets the rockets yes. who are six and three uh so the sixers are now the sole owners of the best record in the nba Yes, Money Mar. Now the best record in the NBA. Everybody drop those flame emojis or whatever excited response you have. <laughs> it's, 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 we're singing. Listen, we find ourselves more and more singing the Sixers victory song. We love this. And uh, as Nick Nurse has mentioned, just as we've mentioned, it's very hard to win games in the NBA. And the Denver Nuggets just showed us exactly why tonight losing to Houston Rockets. But the Sixers continue to win. So now make sure as you're going down to games, you're sitting in your house watching. Hopefully you've got some great merch to rock, to cheer on the Sixers. So you can head over to FOCO to be able to buy some great. They are always dropping new things as, you know, um, the season's progressing across sports. They're always dropping new merch. And over at FOCO, they have bobbleheads, collectibles, shirts, any type of apparel. They even have like slippers, hats. Sleep, those sleep masks or whatever, I believe. Just so diff- so many different things across FOCO that you can be able to check out. And when you go to FOCO, you can use the code PHOY. It will give you a great discount of 10% off. And I'm a big fan of FOCO. I've purchased some Phillies gear from them, some Eagles gear from them, a lot of different things from FOCO. And we have a lot of stuff in our studio that's from FOCO as well. And so you can have it in your house, office, down at the games, at Wells Fargo, wherever it is you're going to be at. And again, the code on your screen, P-H-L-Y for 10% off for podcast platforms, P-H-L-Y. And the Sixers with the best record in the league, 
maybe a great time to go over to FOCO and buy some new merch. I know somebody mentioned earlier they bought the Tyrese Maxi City Edition, the uh, Reading Terminal-inspired City Edition. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure to throw that out there. I'm a huge Reading Terminal fan, but uh, what looks Very more random. like the Penn Quakers-inspired yep. jerseys, because that's what it gives me vibes of, less than Reading Terminal. But anyways, that's a whole other rant for a whole a conversation for a whole other day. Because right now, the Sixers with the best record in the league are also not sneaky good. If anybody has had a doubt, there's nothing to doubt at this point for now. Nine games in at least. All right. I think, uh, I think we are. Do we, have, do we have Kyle here? Woohoo. I think we'll check in on Kyle here from the Wells Fargo Center. Interesting. We get his... Uh, Takes updates on the uh, Kyle. Gang, hey, gang, how we it's doing? It's been so long since I've seen you. <laughs> so I guess yeah, we... I, it's nice to see Renee, but not so Hi, nice Kyle. to see Derek. It's great to see I'm you stuck also. with all the time. <laughs> I guess we sort of have to start this one off with Kelly Oubre, obviously involved in that hit and run, struck by a, I believe it is a driver's side uh, mirror. Can you give us any kind of update that Nick gave on uh, on Kelly's status? Yeah, so nothing after the game, obviously, but we did get to talk to Nick prior to the game about Kelly. I, I believe he said might be back with the team in some capacity on Tuesday, I want right. to say. Now, that's going to be not doing physical activity, just wants him to be around the guys. And I think that in itself is great news, right? The fact that he's up and he's moving. He was discharged from the hospital on Saturday night. I think that was the first real big good news that they got and you know thankfully seems like kelly avoided more serious injuries and you know god forbid even worse than that so uh, we still have no real idea when he might return i would probably guess weeks from now but i'm just it everyone just seems to be happy that he avoided anything worse and they're all after the game very happy they were able to get this win for kelly and i know tyrese at the podium and certainly uh, on the walk-off interview tonight made sure to mention that he was in their thoughts the whole time. Yeah. And so that uh, reevaluated in a week, we have no expectation. That means he's close to playing just that they will check in up in on him after a week. And what we know so far, what he was walking down, I think it was broad street at seven o'clock at the, at night and got hit in the ribs by a driver's side mirror. And then the guy drove off. Is that about right? Could be a woman. Yeah, I, I believe that's, that's what point. we've... Yeah. Good point by Renee. Yes, that's, I believe, what we've pieced together at this point. It's beyond me how someone could miss a six foot seven, six foot eight human being walking across one of the more well-lit areas in Philadelphia, like coming down Broad Street or what have you, but neither here nor there. Just happy that he's intact, is going to make a full recovery as far as we understand it, and uh, he'll be back with his teammates soon enough. Just, we we yeah. have no information because the guy hasn't been caught yet. Just please get off your phones when you drive. I don't know if that's what happened, but just get off your phones. Yeah, there are a lot of people that drive very reckless, especially around Center City, which is the worst. It's very crowded and a lot going on there. Um, but Kyle, first of all, I know people wanted to make sure you have your hoodie on because I think it looks like you're rocking your hoodie. Yes, hoodie mode in full it. effect. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> locked in today. Let's talk about Tyrese Maxey, 50 points today, new career high. You know, what was said post game about Tyrese Maxey's performance? I'm curious to know if he did something different, whether it was a different breakfast, a different routine, but what was said post game around Tyrese Maxey's incredible 50 point performance? Chocolate milk. Can you confirm chocolate milk? 
I wish I could have gotten a sponsor plug in there somehow, but we did not learn about what he had for breakfast or perhaps a, a late lunch, early dinner today. Uh, what was said about Tyrese is, you know, essentially the, how much they love this kid. You know, we spent a bunch of time after Tyrese spoke, talking with Joel Embiid, who he dubbed him the franchise, said that, you know, it's Tyrese's team and went a little bit over the top and all that, but then got into a very serious, introspective mode and said, you know, Tyrese is a guy that sets the tone for this whole organization, that Tyrese comes in at seven o'clock in the morning, has a big smile on his face, and he just uplifts every single person around him. And that, you know, it's so easy for him to buy into, you know, like, look, Joel had a 19 point first quarter, scored, I think, 37 points of his own tonight. And yet it was still a really easy decision for Joel in the fourth quarter to defer to Tyrese and let him run the show. And, you know, they were going to win or win or lose based on how Tyrese was going on offense. And I think that trust is built on the work that he sees Tyrese put in. He says he's never had a harder working teammate that, you know, this is all the product of the sweat equity that Tyrese has put in. He did joke that if he had worked with Drew Hanlon a year or two before, he could have done this a season or two before, which, you know, he's got a stump for his guy, but the overarching point was that this feels earned and deserved for Tyrese. This is not a flash in the pan moment. This is not a guy who's just stumbling into like a lucky situation that he has gone out and taken everything that he wants. And, and Joel seems like he couldn't be happier for this kid. I love that. We were all sitting there on uh, on press row watching them run pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll to start that game leaving the strong side empty, give them as much space to operate. We saw that a couple of days ago against the Wizards. Obviously, it seemed like that was a play they were comfortable going back to over and over and over again. I guess just talk about the developing chemistry between those two and, and your true, you know, I think Joel Embiid has been dying for a partnership like this, uh, just the growing partnership between them. Yeah, I think we've all talked about this on the podcast at various points that this is the first time it feels like when you say two-man game, it really means two-man game. Like every action, both guys are potentially looking to score. Both guys are potentially looking to play make. Joel sets up on the block and gets double teamed. He knows he has Tyrese a pass away for a catch-and-shoot three. Tyrese Maxey runs a pick and roll. He gets to the rim and either knows that he can score or if the defense sells out to stop him, he knows that Joel's going to get a great look at the rim or get fouled. And so these guys, there's no, like there was with Harden, where Harden was great. And obviously the chemistry with Joel was on a high level. But when Joel was on the block and he's kicking out to an open Harden, in most cases he's not getting yeah. a catch and shoot jumper. And so – the level that these guys are playing at, I don't know if you could say it's higher than James and Joel because they were so good and the offense was so successful last season. Joel wins the MVP. James puts up a ton of assists, et cetera, et cetera. But I just think the ability to just weave in and out of actions. I mean, we've seen it for Joel with guys like Seth Curry and J.J. Redick, guys who are strictly shooters. But to have that chemistry with a guy who can shoot like those guys and he can get downhill and break guys down off the dribble. And he's got a floater package. And he's getting better as a playmaker. I mean, the sky is the limit for these two. And it's just so exciting to watch Joel have the, the young running mate to now his, like, grizzled veteran approach at the center position. 
It is really exciting to see the offensive growth behind the two-man game of our Batman and Batman. I don't even it's more Avengers, actually. I wouldn't call it a Batman and Robin. It's more <laughs> of the Avengers and pick whatever Avengers you want out of that. But also on the other side of the floor, it's exciting to see the Sixers and how they are hustling, forcing turnovers, you know, getting steals, getting blocks. What are your thoughts? We've talked about it on the show so far on just how much you're seeing, whether it's Tyrese Maxey with that incredible block against Buddy Heald or Joel Embiid or even Pat Bev, Nick Batum, all through the roster, every single player is finding a way to get involved on the defensive end. What are your thoughts on how they're defending as a team relentlessly? Well, tonight it was a bit tougher, which they admitted. They said they used the word track meet several times because Indiana wants to run. And the Sixers want to play with pace, but they don't want to play at Indiana's pace. So that was kind of a tough balancing act to strike throughout that game. But to your point, Renee, and you brought up a few of the important guys there, to go from that first unit, which has someone like Joel, elite rim protector, you have Tyrese, who I think has made giant strides on the defensive end, is playing really, really hard at a base level. And when you're able to bring in a second unit that's got Pat Bev, dog mentality, Paul Reed, dog mentality and these guys are crashing the glass and they're getting into guys chest they're poking away loose balls they're coming up with second chance points on offensive rebounds as well I just think that permeates throughout the entire team when when you send your starters to the bench and you don't have to feel like ah shit these guys are coming in and I'm gonna have to come back in and save the game that you know that whoever's coming in to replace you is going full go and is playing connected basketball. That's just such an inspiring feeling that I think just goes all throughout the team. And honestly, it like it puts an expectation level or bar that all these guys have to clear. They're like, oh God, I see Tyrese playing out of his shoes on defense while he's also scoring 50 points. If your best players set that type of example, it makes it impossible for the rest of these guys not to follow that example. You know, I thought it was interesting because this is a team in, in Indy who they want to track meet. You know, top pace in the league. I think they're second in the league in three-pointers made. They want to get out on the break, get their open shots. Outside of the third quarter, and I thought the third quarter is when the Sixers really struggled with that. Uh, it felt like you were really playing Indy's game at that point. Outside of that, how do you think they did that, and how do you think there will be any adjustments here for the next game between these two? Yeah, well, so the interesting thing is these two-game series historically have been splits. It's very hard for teams to win two in a row against the same team in the regular season. It just doesn't mm -hmm. tend to happen. Honestly, the best way to try to prevent Indiana from scoring is by scoring yourselves and making them pull the ball out of the basket. I know that they're going to run regardless of whether it's a miss or a make, so that's yep. oversimplifying things to a certain extent. But definitely in the early stages of that game when Tyrese and Joel are just killing them with pick and rolls with the empty corner, I think that was the greatest example. You know, they get out to, it was like 15-6 to start the game, and then they're up like 28 to 13, 15, something like that. And that's the type of gap maybe you would have expected for the rest of the game. But then the shots stopped falling. Things got a bit stagnant. And I will say the Sixers got a bit sloppy from – I'd say around when Joel checked in middle of the second quarter until yeah. late in the third, the the mental focus wasn't there. Not quite as bad as in Detroit in the, in the first quarter the other night, but trending in that direction for sure. So I think that it's a bit of just fighting the both the physical and the mental fatigue because when you're running up and down like that the entire game, it's easy to kind of feel like, okay, I can take this possession off. 
And then all of a sudden an outlet pass is getting thrown over your head and they're hitting a quick three before you can get set. So it's fighting off those fatigue battles. And, and I think that's honestly like 50% of the battle for them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great to see the, the way they're battling, the way they're competing. And as we've heard, and as we've talked about, you know, they don't want to make it a track meet because first of all, it's a long season and you cannot have every game be up tempo like this, but to have them be so composed and able to withstand the runs by the Pacers to be able to withstand the transition game. That's, that's what you love to see the Sixers do. Kyle, I'm interested in your thoughts of what you liked most about today's win. There were a lot of bright moments, uh, but what when you look back on it, what do you feel was the most encouraging? Because it is only nine games in, and although it is an, an incredible, fun, eight-game winning streak, got, we like to keep things in perspective. So what are you encouraged by that you're seeing from this group specifically at this point of the season? What I really like so far is that they clearly have their their pet plays, their things that really work. So as Derek brought up, that that pick and roll action that they ran to start the game, that's working like gangbusters right now. They know they can pull it out when they need it. But then you're also seeing them work on some different stuff, including with the backup guys. So, for example, Nick Nurse brought up, they tried to run a few actions with Nick Batum and Joel, with Batum as the ball handler, hoping that maybe he could get to the basket or he could find Joel on the roll on the way to the basket. And so they're they're making sure that, you know, as much as this is the Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey show, that all these new guys, all the other guys on the roster are embedded in the team and are getting chances to touch the ball and run the offense themselves so that, you know, God forbid, either somebody gets hurt, somebody's in foul trouble, whatever might happen during the course of a long 82-game season. These guys are not going to be shell-shocked by getting a bigger opportunity, right? Like, that, they're not being thrust into positions or plays that they haven't run in the past. And so I think the big takeaway for me is that, yeah, this team is 8-1. and one. Yeah, their two best players have been awesome, all-star, all-NBA level. But that's happening while they're also working on the rest of the roster and making sure this is a championship-level team and not just a championship-level couple of guys leading the way. All right. I think that's probably all I have here for you, Kyle. Watch you end your night and get home. Thanks for jumping on and talk to you soon because all this team does is play four games a week and we talk (laughs) about it all the time. Sounds good. Fingers crossed for an off day tomorrow, Derek. We're hoping for no practice. Let's go. Nick, you don't need to practice. You've won eight in a row. Give them a day off. I agree with that. Well, maybe that's why they've won eight in a row. You sure, never know. Yeah, that's true. Just a they are definitely the practicing madness. way more than they did on Doc. I guess maybe Nick doesn't like the golf as much. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Talk to you soon, Kyle. Later, Kyle. See you guys. All right. I think that's probably a good enough place here. I wanted to, to add one oh, quick thing, oh, though, oh, actually, before we wrapped up. I know. I know we've said a lot of great things um, and, and just unpacking the the win today. Um, I know Frank misunderstood my comment about the – early 2000s, late 90s Sixers roster. And I'm going to circle back to that because something Kyle mentioned actually reminded me of it. First of all, I'm very aware of the fact it was Aaron McKee. I, I was naming everyone the same team. That late 90s, early 2000s team had Dikembe Matumbo and AI as their top two guys. But when, when you looked across that roster and you had Eric Snow, Aaron McKee, Matt Geiger, Tony Kukoc, Rajah Bell, you know, different names that Todd McCullough over the course of that team could step up and make a big play. I'm not saying this is an Eastern Conference finalist, NBA Finals bound team like 2001, 
But I am saying there's a lot of similarities I've seen in only nine games. I'm keeping things in perspective that remind me of those types of days of when the Sixers were a top team in the league. So Derek, before we wrapped up, I just wanted to throw that out there because I like to say things like that because I, if I just think it and it happens and I, and I'm like, Oh, but I, I knew that, but now it's out there. It said, so when we fast forward and we're getting to the postseason, hopefully this comment I just made moments ago pans out the right way. And we are having a mirror type of a season to that early 2001 yeah. Sixers Lakers NBA finals with a different result. Who knows? Just saying, just throwing it out there. It has been a, a real, <laughs> real surprise. And again, I think when we came in, you didn't know what to expect from the team. You didn't know what to expect from the fans and their buy-in. There's a lot of frustration here yeah, over the summer to have this level of excitement and for the team to be this exciting. It has been just a real gift. Thank you, Renee. Uh, for jumping on here for the second time here in the last week. Thank you to everyone there in the chat. If you're listening to this after the fact, be sure to go to subscribe to PHLY underscore sports on YouTube. Hit the bell icon. You can get notifications. When we go live, we are here pretty much after every game, breaking it down, win or lose. Theoretically, they haven't really done a whole lot of losing here of late, but we will be here no matter what. Again, thank you to everyone in the chat, and thank you to Renee. Have a good one. Go Sixers.